Blog Talk Radio. We are back with another edition of the Urban Wire, episode 44. And tonight, we just wanted to come with a special edition. Um, we wanted to do a quick overview of the 2012 presidential um, election. And also, we want to talk about some of the local um, elections as well. And um, we're going to hit some of the high points and some of the low points of this uh, election year. And as always, we have Michael Snyder here. Um, he's one of our correspondents online, and uh, we're going to bring him into the conversation. How are you this evening? Oh, very good. How are you? I'm doing very well. You know, as as you know, um, we just discussed. Um, we're going to be dealing with the some of the high and low points of this election season. And as all of you know, um, we just want to give uh, pretty much a uh, shout-out and um, congratulations to President Barack Obama for his um, second term. And tonight we're going to talk about what were some of the, the factors that played into, into, you know, his victory. And we're going to talk about what the Democrats need to do and, and as well what the Republicans need to keep in mind if they if they want to earn people's votes. In uh, future elections, we're going to talk about what are some of the things that they need to do, or some of the things that they need to look at, as far as how their their message and how they're catering to the people. We're going to talk about what they need to do to kind of change their image, and also um, we're going to take some calls out there and see what you know. What what what's your opinion? You know, um, what would you have liked to see different? Um, what would you know, um, how can the Republicans reach, you know, um, some of the people that they weren't able to reach this time? And what do the Democrats, Democrats need to do to maintain um, what they currently have? So, uh, Michael, what do you have to say? I mean, uh, what do you uh, keep telling the audience what we have in uh, store tonight? Well, I have gotten pulled up all the breakdowns for the governor, Senate, president, uh, the House and the Senate uh, breakdowns, how those numbers have shifted, and uh, ready to throw out some numerical facts and uh, give some highlights over each one of those as we go. All right, that sounds good. like I said, we're going to deal with a lot of factual stuff, but mostly we're going to do just deal with, you know, what we saw and what, you know, our commentary as well. It's like um, we want to hear what you have to say as well. Um, we're all we're all adults, and we can all keep things very classy, professional. You know, we're not here to really bash, but we are here to speak the truth. So um, if you want to call in, uh, feel free to do so. I'm going to open up the chat room as well. If you're out there, you want to send us a message on on um, chat. Feel free to do so. Uh, just just pretty much, you can create a free blog talk radio account. 
Um, just get on there, look us up under UCOFW, and um, jump right on in. Um, we also have our YouTube channel where you can um, check us out there. We, we um, occasionally put up uh, snippets from the show where we do live videos, interviews, and you can um, subscribe at www.youtube.com slash UCOFW. And um, we do have a, a Twitter account, um, UCOFW, um, www.twitter.com slash UCOFW. You can add us there. And pretty soon we're going to be coming up with a with an um, official website here. I'm hoping like around the beginning of the year we're working on that. And just, just a lot of other things we're going to be working on. And, Michael, uh, if you don't mind, can you tell them um, about your website and what you have coming up? Uh, yeah, my sunrise – or, blah, excuse me. <laughs> my website is sunrise – It's been human- a while. <laughs> dot Um Signed up to keep it going for a couple more years. Renote everything on that. Um, again, it's about – holistic healing concept called Reiki, spiritual education, different things on that, metaphysical studies, mainly centered around Reiki education and holistic healing modalities that are out there and things that hopefully just make people a little happier and healthier. <laughs> All right, that sounds good. Um, this is going to go to a quick song so we can get our, you know, get everything ready and um, like I said, we pretty much did this as a last-minute show, so I didn't really have a chance to download any clips, but we do have a lot of information for you um, regardless. So uh, it's going to be a very informative show, and uh, we're just going to go to a quick song, and when we come back, we're going to jump right into uh, the show. So keep it locked on the Urban Wire. Once again, you can call in at 646 646- Nine one five eight two zero zero. Once again, that's six four six nine one five eighty two hundred. And when we come back, we're going to jump right into our show. Thank you. 
All right, welcome back to the show. Um, before we jump into this, I really want to uh, uh, pretty much send out our prayer. Well, I want to send out prayers to those who were impacted by Hurricane um, Sandy and that are currently um, facing still a lot of um, harsh weather conditions out on the East Coast. Our prayers and thoughts are with the people that are um, affected by that. So I just wanted to really send out our prayers and um, condolences to those who even lost people um, in that tragedy because I heard it it really was um, a very harsh, um, just, just very harsh conditions, and a lot of people are still struggling, you know, to uh, stay warm, struggling to get back on their feet. Um, it, it's just really a hard time for those that are uh, facing that that horrible tragedy. So we want to uh, pretty much send our prayers out to those who are dealing with that. And um, with that being said, I just want to just really jump into our discussion tonight Um I'm going to hand it over to Mike because he, he's the man with all the, the facts and statistics and numbers and stuff tonight. So we're just going to pretty much jump into that. And, uh, Michael, what, what what did you have to um, start off with or what, what would you like to? All right. Uh, I'd like to start off state and work our way up or? Well, we had, for those of you that haven't tuned in, you've probably seen a newspaper or an article, but – The governor is going to be Mike Pence with a 50% of the voting. He is Republican. The Democrat, John Gregg, received 46%. Wow. And, but that's, you know, but then there was 4% to the Libertarian candidate, Rupert Bonheim, you know, Rupert from Survivor. (laughs) He was a 4% Libertarian vote. Um, State of Indiana U.S. Senate for United States Senate for us was, that for those of you who remember, that was Richard Luger's seat. Right. Uh, 50% went to Joe Donnelly, and he is Democrat. 44% to Richard Murdoch, who is Republican. And I know me and Seneca got a lot to say about that race here in a little bit. Yeah, and it's important to realize, too, that how big of a, you know, victory that is, because that seat was held by Republicans, they said, for like like about over 30 years. Uh, Yeah, long time. Richard Luger was there for a long time. That's a a huge, that's a huge victory. So we want to, uh, yeah, throw that in there as well. Then working our way on up to the presidential, uh, the presidential, the way the Electoral College reads as of right now is 303 electoral votes with 50.4% to Democrat Barack Obama, who will be in now his secured second term. 48.1% of the vote with 206 electoral votes to Mitt Romney, the Republican. And... Also, an interesting thing to note is the last I knew, unless it's changed since I looked at it earlier today, Florida, nobody still really has dedicated officially what Florida was going to. It appears to be leaning towards the president. So 
if and when that is 100% officially decided, that'll be 28 electoral votes to there. So, but last I heard, that was not officially approved yet. Right. So that is the statistical analysis of all of our breakdowns. Another little tidbit of information is on the national level within Congress, uh, we did have a little bit of shifting over there. Um, currently in the House, we have 198 Democrats and 237 Republicans. In the Senate, we will now have 53 Democrats and 45 Republicans. We gained two seats. The Democratic Party gained two seats. And there are also two independent candidates, and those independent candidates tend to vote Democrat. So that solidifies a tipping majority scale then, basically saying there's 55 to 45 for the sake of argument. This is currently where our numbers stand at today. Hmm. Yeah, you know, and as we know, like, um, locally, they were saying how um, now the the House and the Senate, if I'm not mistaken, has a supermajority as far as Republicans are concerned. So, really, that kind of changes the dynamic, and it kind of I don't know. It kind of affects issues such as um, right to work and same-sex marriage, and uh, what else? They were. It was another issue. They were saying how um, they're going to try to jump on those issues right away um, and try to, you know, uh, push them through. And really, here locally, like um, last year, uh, where it was more heavily, uh, you know, Democrats, you know, they were they could kind of like affect the direction where certain issues would go, but now it's just kind of it's kind of scary now because with the Republicans with you know, holding a supermajority there's no telling how they're going to vote. You know, and they could be like, Well, we don't need you guys here anyway, so regardless if you were here or not And you are talking about the Indiana legislature, correct? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know and um you know, I'm just talking about on a local level, you know, so we I don't know. I mean, it, it, it was it's definitely a victory, but locally, I just I don't know what happened. Like it was just yeah. wow. So it's just you know. What but I can say is that's Indiana for you. Yeah. You know, and I just I wish you know people here were more informed and educated to see, you know, through all that. But you know, like you said, we live in a very conservative state. Um, I, you know, and I will say this a lot of people um here we don't find too many progressives here and we're kind of behind the times, you know. So it doesn't really surprise me but it's still disappointing. So well, I don't know. One thing that I will say that it was a little bit I guess in spite of how the election officially turned out. One thing that I will say that gave me a little spark of hope inside of all that is the majority of the races out there were close. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was the vast majority nationwide were close races. So 
that means that, you know, these votes, even though, for example, Indiana went predominantly Republican across the board on most things, that more people are thinking the other direction now. Yeah, and and, and like we discussed, like, and then you brought up a good point when we were discussing this off air, how really a lot of... Um, a lot of these races were very close. You know, many, for the most part, there weren't like, you know, a whole like, bunch of blow. Spots. You know what I'm saying? It, it, right. it was very close on all of them. So, yeah, vast majority, even though Indiana is predominantly Republican, those still weren't a whole lot of landslide races. Yeah. And I guess that's the way to look at it, but just looking at it on the surface and how they present the information to the public, it, it, it can I can it can look like that. I can you know a lot of people can look look at it from that point of view and kind of get discouraged. But when you look at it from that point of view, like you just mentioned, I, I guess it kind of it kind of makes a uh, makes a huge difference. Yeah. 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 Um, Slowly, you can see, I really do think there is a shift in Indiana, Mm -hmm. but I think it may take a couple more elections to really see it really come to the forefront. Right, right. That's true. So, another topic I wanted to jump on, I know we're going to, I want we discuss this, um, how really based on the results of this election it kind of shows how um, society and how uh, we look at things as a nation how that's starting to shift and how we're becoming more progressive as a whole Mm -hmm. and um, pretty much how um, a lot of even the Democrats I'm not going to say Republicans but even the Democrats they have to start looking at, at, at the Democrats Graphics of this country and, and how um, a lot of people are starting to view things, and kind of they need to start becoming more in touch with the American people and what they want and how they see, you know, certain key issues such as like you know same-sex marriage, abortion, uh, women's rights, even with the Latino uh, population growing in this country. Um, I, I think that. Um, uh, the 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 Republicans they fail to take a take a look at that like and, and then you know they wonder why they pretty much aren't gaining the support of these with certain groups of people. Mm-hmm. And, and I think um, times are changing, and you know, and, and as you know, I've heard before, like you know. Here pretty soon, like a lot of the minorities are going to become the majority here, right? You know, America. So it's it's really time for both parties, not just just Democrats and Republicans, but just any political party, to really start looking at um, these issues. You know, it's it's, it's you know politics is mm-hmm. as we know it has changed. It's not like it used to be. So right, you know, and I could use a term there that I know isn't necessarily brandished from a political standpoint, but how some people have talked about class warfare by socioeconomic class. You know, Mm -hmm. I think 
elections are slowly starting to become more indicative of the fact that um, you can't just pander to a socioeconomic class and think it's going to work. Right. You've got to consider the people and all of the people. You know, the president made a really good comment of, you know, I'm not the president of a certain sect of people. I'm the president for everybody. Exactly. So, you know, when they're looking at these things, they need to start considering that, you know, you may pander to one particular level of class, but that's not going to get you necessarily where you need to be. (laughs) Exactly. And another thing that people, uh, well, they need to kind of look at, too, is, like, you can't just cater to, okay, this is how should I put this. When we are electing officials into office, we're not electing religious leaders. We're not electing someone. We're not like you're like you're voting in the next bishop or the next pastor or the next elder of a church or a right. deacon, somebody like that. We have to vote people into office that represent like. People as a as a whole, like the, America is a melting pot of different cultures, um, races, ethnicities, and everything else. And we can't just vote somebody in because of, you know. I just get so tired of hearing people talking about, you know, this this country was founded upon God and godly principles and everything else. Okay, if you want to go there, if that's the case, you know, people use the Bible justify things as segregation and and slavery and you know um they they used it to hold women down and everything else but you want to use that same bible when it comes you know that that was used to justify all that and you want to use that as means to justify who you vote for like it's just to me it's just like people need to get off of that yeah, I'm, and this is something that you and I talked about earlier. You know, I'm I'm kind of tired of hearing because typically the evangelical vote, and by evangelical I mean right-wing Christian majority, tends to go Republican. Now, if you're an evangelical, good for you. I'm happy for you. Great. Glad, hope it makes you happy and hope that you're content with that. But stuff it a sock in it because I don't care. I'm an electing a politician, not a preacher. You know, can you do the job that we need you to do? I don't care if you go to church once a year or every three times on Sunday. That's good for you. Great, wonderful. I don't care. Save it. <laughs> you know. And so many people get caught up caught in that trap every election, and it, and it's really it speaks. To how ignorant you are, and you can't look at the bigger picture thing. Sure enough, the Republicans may, their ideology may, it may line up to you know what you believe in when it deals with certain social issues. But really, a lot of these people that are voting Republican, and a lot of these people that are in these churches, they can't even afford to pay attention. You know, they're sitting up here getting robbed week after week. You know. By their own pastor, and I'm not going to even get into that right now. These people don't even have money to pay their to election bills, 
heating, air. They don't even have enough money to barely pay their water bill. But yet you want to vote for a party that doesn't give a damn about you pretty much, you know, and you allow one issue that you may agree upon to be the deciding factor, a social issue that really doesn't even amount to a hill of beans. To just, you know what I'm saying? Like, right? It's it's crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, religion. You have one. That's good. I'm happy for you, but I don't care for the politics of it. Right. And I think that that should be that should never be the deciding factor. Right. To vote one way or the other. Right. You know, a lot of these people they want to act like they're, they're they have all these Christian values and and that's the core of their you know convictions. But really, when you look at their other platforms, they don't really align with that. You know what I'm saying? It's just like right. for me, it's just a way to gain votes and to trick the people. And I think, I, and I'm glad that the American people proved them wrong because like. It seems like they treat the American people like they're sheep, mm-hmm. and, and they're and, and they they're clueless. They don't know what's going on, and I'm glad the American people had enough sense to see through that well, and do some common sense. Like you and I talked earlier, uh, that far evangelical standpoint. Good case in point of all this is. One of the U.S. Senate race here in Indiana. Look at uh, Richard Murdoch's campaign. Mr. Murdoch, exactly. was, he was leading way out in front, way out in front. And then until he made that comment that said, you know, well, if a woman is raped, then I say that that was God's will if she gets pregnant. Oops. <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> So here he led way out in front the whole time as the Republican front runner, and way out here, and then now all of a sudden on election day he's losing by six points or seven points, percentage points. You know. You know what? Even leading up to that, and, and right after he made those comments, you even notice like, and I'm telling, I'm talking about people that were very ultra conservative, like this. You know, a lot of Republicans they were even kind of like, wow, you shouldn't have said that. Right. You know, and um, I even noticed that when a couple times when Romney said some very controversial things, how the Republican Party was like, you need to chill out with that. They were they was about ready at some point to throw him to the wolves. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and the thing about it is, it's like they really need to if they if they haven't learned anything else. They need to learn that uh, times are changing, and just like you know, it's it's time for them to, like like you were saying earlier when we were talking, like they need to reevaluate their platforms on key issues because they're losing ground, like with a lot of a lot of people, right? Especially and, uh, they said with the Hispanic vote, uh, especially the Black vote. Yeah, well, I, I had heard a good statistic that someone had told me that in 2008, 
the Republican Party had received 40% of the Hispanic vote in 2008. Not so much this time. <laughs> I well, think- you know, Romney messed up. He made a lot of controversial talks about immigration, mm-hmm. all this self-deportation and all this crap that he was talking about. I mean, how how the party really both it was almost like they were very condescending towards the Latinos, and right. just how they when they spoke about them, it was just almost like as if they were speaking down to them, like speaking at them. Right, and it was just like they—he he really thought that they were too too stupid to see through that. And I think that probably cost him a lot uh, of their votes. Yeah, but yeah. Not to mention, not to mention um, the fact, you know, about women's rights and and about uh, their their choice when it comes to. Uh, just their health in general, not just abortion, but just like, you know, a lot of them want to get rid of use. contraceptives and um, they want to get you rid of, like, Planned Parenthood and a lot of uh, these organizations that not, you know, that, that are just teaching them preventative ways to um, not even, you know, get pregnant or just offering health services. It's just like they are really trying to attack women and their choice to uh, to protect themselves, you know, and I, I think now, that caused I haven't got to see a study on this, but how how much do you think that the women's vote played a big role in this election? Oh, a, a great deal. Yeah, a great deal. You know, especially when you. Um, it just wasn't Richard Murdoch. I, I fit the name of the other guy that also made comments on legitimate rape and all that crap. Right. And I, I think that, not all that crap, but, you know, things along that line. Right. And um, there were a lot of references made to that and, and, and the fact that they're trying to to make it impossible for women to to get the services they need to um, prevent pregnancy. Not only that, but just just in general, like like I said a minute ago, like they're trying to attack organizations such as Planned Parenthood that do more than really they abortion is like a small percentage of what they are even involved with. They're about educating women, um, giving them contraceptives, um, offering. Um, health services such as pap smears, just a oh, lot of mammograms. Things that women need. Mammograms as well. Mammograms. Yes, you cancer know. screenings, not only for cervical cancer and uh, stuff like that, but also for a uh, breast cancer screening with the mammograms and stuff. Exactly. And it just seems like their whole campaign was like against the women, and like you said, like we're living in different times. Like women aren't. Majority of women are working outside the home. Some of them are single parents. Some of them, you know, may have a husband, but with the economy the way it is or the time, the way times have changed, you know, it takes two incomes from two working. Right. Uh, and to the workforce oh. demographic, is you find a lot more women today that are career oriented 
and they're not wanting to get married right out of college. They're wanting to work on focusing their own career and getting their own start going and holding off on the family issues till a little bit later. Okay. You know, those women are playing a big role in the workforce and also represent a significant demographic out there. And that brings up another issue, too, you know, the Republicans don't want to touch is how women aren't being paid equally. Yeah. You know, um, they're not dealing with these issues where women have equality in the workplace. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And, and to me, that costs them a, a huge um, amount of votes, you know, when it came uh-huh. to women's rights and stuff like that. They didn't want to touch that. And I really think that cost them um, that segment of the population. Mm-hmm. And one uh, thing, and this is not taking a shot at it, this is taking a shot at both sides of the spectrum, right. particularly Congress, and that is, okay, y'all got your election over. Good. Now, people get to work and do something for this country. Did you see the... Uh you see how low the, the I mean how the stock market did today and how it dropped? No, I didn't. They said it. I'm telling you, it fell 300 points. I think. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, it did not do well today, and I don't know if people are are afraid. Or, I, I don't know what's going on, but they said that the stock market did not do well at all today. It, it, it did horrible. Now, just curious, but do you think that was really anything to do with the election? Well, I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I'm not informed enough to make a a call on that one either. I mean, I could totally see where it could be something to do with the election, but. I'm not up on that enough yet to know myself. Yeah. I just seen something briefly. I, I just seen that before we got on air, and I didn't have time to really look at it, but they were just talking about how that, um, how that dropped today, and then we, we're still dealing with a lot of issues. And I really think that these issues could have been handled sooner if um, both sides were would have you know, came together sooner mm-hmm. and put put aside all this stuff. You know, I think we could have gotten a lot further than what we are now. Yeah. Um, but um, I don't know. Uh, but they said that they're going to have to hurry up and do something about this uh, deficit and stuff like that because if not, it's, yeah. Yeah. They're they're pretty much on a time crunch now. Yeah. It's yeah. (laughs) They they okay. They got their voting done. They got their elections. They can breathe easy now. They need to get the hell to work. But and I think you'll find too that the president can probably afford now to be a little bit more forceful with Congress. And I really hope he does. Because he don't have to play nice anymore. <laughs> you, you're in there now. And I think this is the time where he really needs to um, take advantage of this opportunity and what he has and start pushing some stuff through. Yeah, and say, hey, listen, y'all's going to get to work here and do something because 
this is what this stupidity went on long enough. This gridlock is senseless. Yeah. And see what the Republicans they thought they were going to make the one-term president, and they really thought what they were doing, you know, um, at the beginning of his first term, like they they thought that it was going to hurt him and hurt the Democratic Party, but really it, it's hurting them. And it's destroying their party. Like they, mm-hmm. you know, they really thought what they were doing was going to help them out, and, and it's really hurting their party. Well, and I heard this. You and I discussed this before the show. I had actually heard it was before the election, uh, maybe a month or so before it. But I had heard on Fox News. Yes, I happened to watch a little segment on there. God forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I had no choice. It was on at work. I had yeah. it. <laughs> but <laughs> um, they had a political correspondent on there that made the remark and said, if the Republican Party cannot take the White House, then that needs to be a wake-up call to the Republican Party saying, hey, we need to change some things here. Exactly. And they need to change it within their own party. That was even said by the most Republican news organization out there. Right. You know, they can't take the White House, then they need to look at what they're doing. Exactly. And that's straight from them. And for Fox News as an organization that had, you know, to even say that, that you know, that's a huge wake-up call. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, I'm going to go to a quick um, song, and I'm going to be right back. And uh, when we come back, we're going to finish this discussion. And if you still want to call in, call at 646-915-8200. I know this is more of a late-night edition. I know it was last minute, but... I kind of felt that we should um, get on here and uh, make a brief commentary. And you can always come back and listen to our shows um, on demand at www.blogtalkradio.com slash UCOFW. We're going to go to a song, and we will be back. Hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cold where? Oh yeah Yeah, this is for all the fans that waited The bitch niggas that hated Old hoes we dated Look mama, we made it Your son out in Barbados Cheese, eggs, and potatoes Smoking weed on the beaches My mind working like Play-Doh Analyzing the world Fantasizing about girls I'm handing diamonds and pearls And vandalizing her curls Sweating the weave out Moans as she breathes out Fuck I'm doing in parties With over and seized out I step over piranha Death over designer They killing niggas for days That's death over designer Hey cold heating up Like that leftover lasagna Remember when I used to be Stressed over Dewana Now a nigga only texting Get stressed over Rihanna's I'm talking tens and better Hood bitches and tens and sweaters And we always argue about the same thing And tell me why we gotta argue About the same thing, same thing Nobody's perfect, uh, nobody's perfect, ay, ay, uh 
because, like, right now we are in a, a situation to where we're work, walking on almost like a thin thread or or a rope that's about to break, and we could fall on either side. So it's just like they really need to come together and um, just say, hey, you know, let's just agree to disagree and let's just do what's best for the American people. They elected us to come here to do a job, not to play politics, not to play games, not to play tit for tat. Let's just get get what we need to get done and get this country back on track. Because at this point, if they don't do something, we're going to fall backwards and we're going to fall into another recession. You know what I'm saying? So we need to keep our yeah, forward momentum going that we've got going for us and exactly. keep it in line. Mm-hmm. I'm just thankful that Mitt Romney just, he didn't win because it just seems like he was going to reverse all the progress that we've made. And he probably would have tried to undo everything that Obama has put into motion. So and you know he even said it himself. That's what he was going to spend the first part of his term trying to you know undo everything that he's done. And to me, that just that's just flat out evil. Yeah, but just flat out evil. Just just hate. That's just what he thinks the people wanted to hear. He thought he really thought that's what people wanted to hear. Oops, guess it didn't work so well. It works well, you know. His wife, his wife must have been tired of it too, because she says, "I am not going through this again." Yeah. And, and, and you seen her, and they played different clips of her with him, and it was just like she wasn't happy. Yeah. She was just doing. She was doing what she she was with him. He she was on his side because she was doing it out out of obligation. She wasn't doing it out of love, and you can see it. You yeah. know, versus, you know, you look at Michelle Obama, she is there for her man. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? She was involved with the political process. She was off doing things herself, you know, on her own, too. Yeah, and you know she's got to be happy as hell that they don't have to go through this again. <laughs> no. No. Not at all. You know, and they were just talking about how, you know, it, it – it's just it's just really amazing to see um, how his whole family is just you know they're all supportive of him and you know the wonderful job that he has done to raise his daughters right and and just how they're they're all um, it just it just makes me feel good to see that the whole family like they're all like um, involved yeah. Even his children, even his two daughters are out there. You know, um, they're involved in doing things. You know, and that's got to be really hard on a family aspect. I mean, I guess if you grew up around that political scene, it would probably be second nature to you. But again, yeah. you know, as a politician and like such as the president and being out in front of everything, and you can't do anything in the public eye without a camera catching it. You know, I'm sure that that's got to be a very difficult thing to 
raise a family. But he never talking about even with his family. Like, yeah, like, you know, he, he do talking about different challenges. But I don't know. He said, we're going to work on, because I promised my daughter how, you know, she's at the age where she can learn how to drive. We're going to try to figure out how we, how we can do that and just dating and just a lot of the things that they would normally want to do as young teenage girls. Right. It's, it's almost difficult for him to kind of um, allow them to do that because they're, I don't know, it's just like it's almost dangerous for them to go out and do stuff. I almost say oh. dangerous, but it, it's, it's hard. I can see how it's hard for him as a father to want to allow his children to do just normal things, but he, he's kind of worried, you know, if, if I let my daughter something what's going to happen to her. Right, because that threat is always there when you're in his position. And even after, and see what's so scary about it is even after he's out of office, he's still going to have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. And for those of us that are old enough to remember, you know, Chelsea Clinton, you know, Chelsea grew up in that same type of spotlight when she was in, when Bill was in office. Right. You know, and, you know, she, her trials and tribulations of having to deal with the the Secret Service and still allowing her to be her own person and still, you know, developing her adolescent identity and all that stuff. You know, it's... And see, that's what a lot of people don't fail to... A lot of people fail to realize is, you know, when you make that oath or you make that decision to be in the public eye like that or in, in the world of prostitutes, I mean, oh, not prostitutes, oh, I say prostitutes, <laughs> Politics, uh, you really have to. That that's something that you really are going to have to battle, because especially if you have family, and um, you know it's just you have a family. You really have to think about that because the decision that you make will impact their entire lives. Yeah, you know, even even after you know he's out of office, he's going to have to have secrets. Yeah, and I think now I can't remember how that goes, but I think some of them after they leave office, they only get the either they changed it from what it was. Either they get the Secret Service protection only for an X number amount of time, and then the rest of it is on them, or or else the Secret Service is done when they're out of office. I forget how that actually goes now, but. Yeah, it's. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're gonna be taken care of with them, especially with them being, you know, being the president of the president of the United States at one point. I know they're gonna have to have the government gonna take care of them. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? They're just not gonna throw them to the wolves like that. I just don't believe that. I can't remember how that law was written now because I know it changed a few years back. It's like maybe they get the Secret Service protection for X number of years, like five years or something, or eight maybe. I forget how it goes, but that's, then after that, that's it's on them to get it. That's something worth looking into. Yeah, I I remember hearing about it, but I forget how forget the details of it now. Try to research them. I'll probably research that and just you know just try to you know. Uh, something that'll be something worth bringing up on the show. I've always wanted that too. I mean, especially with him 
I won't say he's one of the most controversial presidents, but like his presidency has caused a lot of controversy, I should say. Yeah. Not necessarily, I mean, you know, with him just being president himself. Sure. So I wonder, you know, how they're going to deal with that after he's out of office. I don't know. You know, that's that's a good question. Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to think what else I want to touch on. Um, locally, we've already discussed, uh, you know, uh, what's going on with that. But um, do we touch on uh, Murdoch yet, or do we? Uh, I think we did briefly. Yeah, I just I really I saw his concession speech the other day, and I was like, and I think did you get a chance to watch it finally, uh, Mr. Uh, Romney's? Um, not Romney's, but oh, um, Murdoch's. Yeah. Yes, I did get to watch his, and I was, you know, I don't know. There was a strange. And you and I talked about this before, you know, yesterday, and I know I was like, wow, it's kind of a interesting sort of take for him to have. It almost like he was very – he conceded the election. He congratulated Mr. Donnelly. He did. But he was just very bitter about it, like, well, I so, hope yeah, that – Yeah, very bitter. You know, I'm very um, concerned with how the, the future of this country and the direction that this country is going in and – all that, and I'm thinking, okay, it sounds almost like you're condemning the people that voted out there, and uh, people um, people congrats. spoke, so don't be pissed uh, off about it. <laughs> I mean, I'd be like, you can take your congrats and just shove it, because it was, it was so, it, it wasn't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't authentic, like, it was just like, you know. And you, and you make any, you know, trying to trying to play like, I don't know. It's just it's almost like he was trying to play like he was the victim because, you know, I you know people condemn me because of my um, beliefs and, and where I stood, you know, and, and this and together. I said, you know what, You're, just because you have convictions and beliefs doesn't make it right. And yeah. It doesn't make. You know, and it doesn't make make it okay what you said. Yeah. You know, okay. You, you may have watched your convictions and what you believe, but see what it, you know it it costs you though. Right. Yeah. I I don't see anything legitimate about any type of rape. Yeah. Stop hearing that term, legitimate right. There's nothing legitimate about right, period. Yeah. I don't know. The worst the worst and other interesting uh ballot measures across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, uh there was some ballot measures regarding gay marriage in 
four or five different states here. I know that have made a lot of news topics. Um, for example, uh, Maine and Maryland and Washington State, and there's one other one. Uh, but in anyway, in Maine and Maryland, they uh, voter-approved ballot initiatives to allow same-sex unions. Wow. That was, you know, a ballot put to the voters, and the voters said, yes, do it. So that is now the standpoint in Maine and Maryland. Uh, Minnesota had uh, tried to change the constitution of their state to define marriage as between a man and a woman, and the voters in the state of Minnesota shot that down. They said, no, you're not going to restrict that. So uh, in Washington state, 52% voted to legalize same-sex marriage. And Maine, I think, was the other one? No, mm -hmm. oh, I already talked about Maine, sorry. Uh, there's one more out there. I can't seem to find that one right at this present moment. But that was uh, the four big results out of some of those ballot initiatives out there. So, and a lot of people are saying that this could be, see, be seen the turning of the tide on the same-sex uh, marriage or civil union issue. Wow. This, this, I don't know. I mean, it's it's really good. Like, uh, I think, it, like you, like you already know, that's pretty much like one of those issues that, like, a, it's like a state by state, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I guess the, the number of states that are permitting it is growing, so I guess it's always a good thing, you know. Yeah, and you know they really think that with you know that's four states right there that went on the ballots, and all of them showed progression in that area, and even including Minnesota, who tried to constitutionally say no. The voters said, uh, no, you're not going to do that. So that's a little bit more progress for this country. Good. Did you hear about um, – well, before I get into the story, do you think that um, – we, we discussed this, too, like about a week or so ago, right when Hurricane Sandy hit. Do you think that was uh, – uh, uh, a determining factor as well in how the Republican On the outcome of the election? FEMA should be, like, um, privatized and how, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you think that kind of cost him, too? Mm. Ah. I don't know. But I will say, first and foremost, up front, you know, I do work in a emergency services-related position, and FEMA should never be privatized, never, absolutely not. You know, the general public, one of the things that they may not realize about FEMA is that it is so – think of the stitching that holds your clothing together. Right. That's about how FEMA works between federal government and National Guard – military, 
You know, people just think of FEMA when you say FEMA, people just think of it in a natural disaster, which is true. But there's many other instances in regional things in like corners of the state. For example, here in uh, this summer, Indiana had a lot of wildfires or uh, field fires. And when some of these get out of control to a great big standpoint, these smaller communities look to organizations like FEMA for assistance getting these things under control. And it's government, and it's tightly woven in there. So I don't think that should ever be privatized, number one. But as far as the response with FEMA goes, I think this uh, president's administration has shown that, you know, we aren't going to make the George Bush mistakes. You know, if there's a problem and there's a natural disaster it hits, we're going to mobilize, we're going to get out there, we're going to get these uh, compacts initiated and get these things moving, and we're not just going to sit here for three days and let people drown and die just with sitting on our hands. Now, what do you think? Do you think that that had a bit of an influence in the election outcome? I think it did. Um, like you said, I think it's how, how they've reacted this time and how they were more proactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I, I really think that a lot of I've heard like a lot of people that were in uh, favor of Romney after hearing those comments, it, it kind of turned them off. Yeah. You even know, the governor I, of New Jersey, Christie, out there, even he had to say really good things about Obama, and that kind of pissed off some of the Republican Party members because they're like, it's this close to election, don't say good things about him. He's like, well, you know, he does a good job out here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, we have a caller. I'm gonna go to the caller. Um, eight two eight. Is this um, Jr. You know who it is. You know who it is. I seen that eight two eight. I know who it was. <laughs> well, we're gonna um, get. I'm, I'm gonna um, get to you in a second. I have another. I have a story I wanted to read from CNN. Um, I guess they uh, this, this story was written by Alan Duke from CNN called it's entitled Two States Legalized Pot But Don't Break Out the Cheetos Just Yet yeah. and I'm just going to read a um, little bit of it and um, it says this story is out of Los Angeles um, by, by the CNN correspondent um, Alan Duke and it reads as such pro-pot groups cheered the passage of referendums legalizing recreational marijuana in Colorado and Washington State as the, quote, light at the end of the tunnel, unquote, in their 50-year campaign to make the drug legal nationwide. Quote, Yesterday election, yesterday's elections have forever changed the playing field regarding cannabis prohibition laws in America and probably in large parts of the world, too, unquote. Alan St. Pierre, executive of the executive director of NORML, the National Organization for the Re- Reform of Marijuana Laws, wrote in a ce- celebratory blog on Wednesday. But Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper warned that it's too soon to break out the Cheetos because his state must still navigate navigate federal laws before citizens can legally buy and sell cannabis. 
Um, and then it goes on to say the highs and lows of using marijuana. The Drug Enforcement Administration quickly tried to spoil the Rocky Mountain High, issuing a statement Wednesday morning saying that the DEA's Enforcement of Controlled Substances Act remains unchanged. Quote, enacting the Controlled Substances Act, Congress determined that marijuana is a Schedule I controlled substance, unquote. The DEA statement says, quote, the, the Department of Justice is reviewing the ballot initiatives and we have no additional comment at this time, unquote. Voters in Massachusetts and pro- probably Montana pending final vote count. Also approved medical marijuana referendums allowing doctors to prescribe the drug to patients suffering from serious medical problems, which were carefully spelled out. Um, Colorado, Washington, Washington passes marijuana legalization. Oregon says no. In Massachusetts, a doctor who was a bona fide relationship, who has a bona fide relationship with a patient, would have to certify the patient suffered, quote, a debilitating medical condition such as cancer, glaucoma, HIV positive status, or AIDS, hepatitis C, Crohn's disease, Parkinson's disease, ALS, or multiple cirrhosis, unquote. Uh, Medical marijuana is already legal in 17 states, including California, where it's estimated two years ago that Los Angeles County had more medical marijuana shops than liquor stores. Salesmen invited tourists walking along the Venice Beach boardwalk into a store next to a T-shirt and sunglasses stall to see a store, I mean, to see a doctor who would give them a marijuana license and prescription. The smell of burning cannabis wafted through, wafted through the air along Hollywood streets in neon green cross, crosses marked where citizens could get their, their pot supplies. In the past two years, however, local city councils have enacted restrictions on where shops can be located, forcing many to close. Quote, some America, I'm sorry, quote, some medical marijuana clinics have been taken over by illegal for-profit businesses that sell recreational marijuana to healthy young adults that attract, that, that have Attract crime, unquote, a Los Angeles police chief, Charlie Beck, said in September. Uh, federal prosecutors have aggressively worked in the rain, have worked to rein in the proliferation of dis- distribution locations, contending that the operations draw criminals because of large amounts of cash involved. Three forfeiture Forfeiture laws were filed and warning letters were were sent to 71, quote, illegal marijuana stores, unquote, in Los Angeles and Huntington Park, um, California, in September by federal authority. So pretty much like even though these laws have passed, this is how I feel like it's it's still going to be a lot of, it's it's not, it's going to be very complicated for them to get 
you know, these laws passed. I mean, it, it sounds good, but it's, it's, it has a, I don't know, the drug culture is just a very complicated one, and, and it's not going to be, it's easier said than done. That's, that's what I got from this story. So it just seems like it's going to be a lot to, you know, for them to overcome before they can even think about making it legal. So I don't know. So what do you think about it, Michael? Well, you know, that it's true the DEA, you know, it may be legal in a particular state, but they, at the end of the day, the DEA does have the ultimate authority with it. And you know if you legalize it, there's going to be a host of people popping up. There's going to be a host of doctors that are going to, you because, know, you know, you're going to pay that doctor a sum for getting that prescription. And you know right. they're going to clean up from it, too. The laws, I feel, have got to be very tightly written and very very cautiously handled because of that. I, per, you know, while I can see the benefit of it uh, for someone that's suffering from those diseases that you listed, yeah, I can see where that might be a benefit for them. It's entirely right. possible. And, you know, for someone that is truly suffering, I don't know, I have heard that marijuana can help for glaucoma, but I'm not exactly real sure how that's helping your eyes. But hey, I'm not a doctor. But that's like the Medea stuff there. It's like you know. Yeah, I know. That's kind of like really it helps your eyes. Oh, okay. I'm not a doctor, so whatever. But in the aspect, I know that it helps a lot of people with cancer, especially if they're undergoing chemotherapy. You know. I can understand that. I can understand for some of the HIV, AIDS-related issues. I can understand where it could possibly be helpful for that. You know, Get your mind right, honey. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm all for, you know, it helping somebody out. But fortunately, you know, we live in a society where people are going to try anything to get around it, too. So personally, I they need to work on that at the federal level, maybe not necessarily the state level. Yeah, I think, I, I think certain things like that need to be federal, federally mandated. I just don't think that, right. yeah. yeah, and that's one of them. It's just too too big of an issue. Right. All right, well, Jr. I know we discussed, we, we, we went we discussed some things earlier, and I and I and I figured that you had something to say tonight. I, I know, you know, we're gonna unleash the pit bull here, and I know you got some things that's on your mind. Oh, I don't know so much about a no, pit don't, bull. Don't, don't, don't get shy, I'm, man. I'm, don't get shy. I, I, I'm, I'm more, I'm more like a little cuddly pug. <laughs> 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 It's been a crazy, crazy 24 hours since the election. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It's just yeah, and you see, I'm starting to see a lot of people's true colors just come out. Yep, and, and you, you know, it, it's unfortunate. I mean, you, uh, I've I've never made two bones about my political stance. You know, uh, anybody comes and asks me who I voted for, I'll, I'll tell them who I voted for. You know. Uh, and, and you, you and I have been friends a long time. You know who I voted for. Uh, it, you know it wasn't the turnout that I voted for on a, 
anyone except uh, Donnelly. I did vote for uh, Senator Donnelly. I voted for uh, Greg on the governorship. Unfortunately, he didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting the chance to meet the man and uh, felt he had a lot of character. You know that he wasn't a character. You know, right. yeah. And that that's what's so bad. I I wasn't too big on Mike Pence at all. And it, you know, there, there's just something about him that really bugged me. And and as you know, I voted for Mitch Daniels every single time. You know, so it 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 is one of them deals. And people are just, I mean, it, it people started coming out in drones over all that. But you know, it I, I look at it from an independence point of view. And it's like I said last night when you and I were talking. I said you're you're getting ready to see true the true ignorance start coming out now, you know. And uh, boy, they didn't disappoint, <laughs> you know. And <laughs> me, my niece who lives over in New York, you know, she was uh, hey. She was uh, speaking and all, you know, and uh, she she ended up voting for President Obama. And uh, it, 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 I mean, it, she started getting some grief. And a buddy of mine, you know, who uh, lives up in Chicago, who's uh, a hardcore right winger, you know, he wow. was getting some grief too. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, you know, it it was one thing, you know. It, I just sat around. And I started watching my, yeah, started watching, listening, so watching. And finally, I just had enough. That's hey. what I told you. Read, read the rant. By the way, what do you think of the rant? <laughs> Jr., I do have a question for you. Yeah, uh, you mentioned your niece lives in New York. Yes. Was she in any of the uh, storm damaged regions up there? Uh, she lives over in Brooklyn, yeah. Okay. They, um, they, and from, if you could, if and I don't know if you really know enough of her situation up there, but do you feel from anything that you picked up from what you heard from her, do you feel that any of the quote-unquote FEMA's response had anything to do with their election decision for president? Uh, not hers. Personally, uh, okay. I I do feel that the president did a much better job at this, and per se, President Bush did with Katrina. Oh yeah, you know, hands down. Uh, but but with that being said, and this is being fair about it, you know, uh, we had never seen a in the history of the United States we'd never seen natural storm to the magnitude of a of a Katrina before. You know, we've dealt with Andrew and Hugo and yeah, I I can go on naming hurricanes all day long, you know. And I knew that but, uh, in speaking but, of New York, I knew that uh it was already leaning really, Democrat anyway. Like that in New York either. Like so you know, that could be said about that as well. Yeah. yeah and I knew New York was already leaning toward the president anyway yeah. prior to the election and prior to the hurricane. I was just yeah. 
kind of interested to know if maybe there was any a lot of decisions made on their votes because of the better female response or how it was handled. Absolutely there was. Um, You know, this is, again, just just like I am politically involved out here, she is over there, you know. Hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, excuse me a second. Hang on. Guys, i got to take this call. Hang on a minute. Okay. Yeah, I was. I, that was just something I was. You and I had discussed earlier. Yeah, and, and you were going in the same direction. I was. You know, I was about to head there too. Because I was you just know. curious. You know, hey, we got somebody here on the show that actually has a relative out there. Let's see what they think. <laughs> but yeah, that was something I was definitely curious about. But you know, and that I don't know. That may be in. One of the things, because I know that the New England states were already leaning Democrat anyway, so I didn't know if that maybe solidified it or bumped it up. Yeah. Or, I mean, I would, I could imagine, like on some level, like you said, you know, could have been already, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what other topics? We have. Uh, let's see what we have. Hmm. What direction do you think the uh, the Republican Party should go in the future? Because well, there's a group of and something I wanted to talk on the show about. I always forget to talk about. There's a group of law. It's called Log Cabin Republicans. Have you ever heard of them? Oh, yes. I can tell you a little bit about them. Yeah. Because I really feel that it's very sickening and very disrespectful for you. It's one thing to have, I mean, you can be fiscally, like, conservative, you know, and, and you may take on some of their ideologies as far as, like, you know what I'm saying, as far as um, on certain things. But as far as social issues, the Republican Party has pretty much condemned you for I mean for who you are as a person and you want to endorse them as an organization and that's sick to me. Yeah, well and for what for the people and the listeners out here that don't know what that is, the log cabin Republicans are an openly gay Republican organization. Mm-hmm. And they do push for gay rights. Uh, however, they push more for the civil union measure as opposed to marriage measure. But semantics of it aside, it's an openly gay organization that is dedicated to the Republican Party. And they are kind of, well, for lack of a better term, they're the bastard child of the Republican Party because for the most part, the Republican Party doesn't even want to acknowledge them on hardly anything. But pretty much they're, they're a group of sellouts, pretty much. Well, kind of. Well, well, that's kind of harsh to put it, but no. <laughs> I In a roundabout it, sort of way, yeah, because, you know, the Republican they're pledging to be Republicans, but at the same time, the Republican Party doesn't really want anything to do with them. <laughs> yeah. However, the federal law that went before the, before the federal appeals courts 
and the federal court had said, don't ask, don't tell, is going out the door. But we're going to delay our ruling, and we're going to delay making a federal mandated court ruling on this to give Congress time to repeal it. Now, with that being said, the log cabin Republicans were the ones that pushed for that federal ruling. Oh, wow. Yes, they were the ones that brought the suit and fought it for about 10 years and fought it clear up to the federal appeals and got it brought up there where they got that actually thrown out. So, and I know people say, well, it didn't get thrown out. Congress changed it. Yeah, but that's because the federal court said, you're going to change it. We'd rather you do it within the confines of the legislature as opposed to us having to basically, for lack of a better term, cram it down their throats. All right, I'm back, guys. Okay, but, yeah, that's that's kind of how that organization has gotten a little bit of popularity here recently. Oh, wow. So let me ask you this, JR. Um, yeah. Do, and this is just my opinion. Like, do you think that the people are starting to see through all the ignorance and all the lies and deceit that the Republican Party and Fox News have put out in this past four years. Do you do you think that people? Because I really feel the thing about it, especially these politicians, they look at the American people as sheep. Like we're unable to um, to put two and two together and reason it and and and, and have you know. And have logic, you know, and it just seems like they've insulted the American people. So, and do you think that the people are tired of the lies and the deceit? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I do. Uh, I, I think, it, but but see, here's the thing. I, I think that uh, people uh, are evolving. That we are. Becoming more educated, you know, where you are um, able able to make decisions. It's not like it used to be. It used to be people used to vote straight line or due to party alliance because their parents might have. You know, that's true. That yeah. I think that's still a diehard thing here in Indiana. Absolutely is. My my in laws are like that. They vote straight line Democrat. You know, it. Hey, you know, not not to bring up a sore topic with the Democratic Party, but you know, David Duke could run uh, and they'd vote for him. You know, without without seeing who's you on the ticket or what they've ever stood for. Because Republicans do that too. This is a mostly Republican state, so you just can't yeah. put that Democrat. No, no, no. It was just an example, bro. Uh, mm-hmm. But but you know, here's the thing. You know, with the with, with the advancements in uh, uh, you know the internet and uh, information gathering and all, they they people are able to make more informed decisions. You know, with a click of a mouse anymore, you can just pull up a person's voting record. Now I know you that know, it, there has been a lot with the internet as far as like social media politicking. Yeah. Do you think? And I'm. I'm going to assume, for example, let's throw out the window uh, the political ads because I think people are so used to hearing political ads that it's almost to the point to where people have a pretty good way of turning tuning them out. But yeah. 
the social networking, do you think that the age of the Internet coming to where it is has really influenced a lot of voting records? Oh, absolutely it has. Absolutely. They, you know, they, it, they with information being just a click away, people cannot hide anymore from, say, you know, uh, it, you know what their records are. Here's the thing. Uh, it used to be people stood for something. Politicians did, okay? Uh-huh. Which is why people had such loyal party alliance, okay? Uh-huh. Then it became, it went away from that, and, come on, Sammy, and it became one of these deals where all of a sudden you just don't know anymore what, the person stands for, but what they concentrated on is the voting record of their opponent. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and well, I, I got for example, just like um, I think um, the race between I think her name's Glenda Ritz and Tony Bennett. I guess they were like uh, over public instruction. And Tony Bennett, he's been in the game for a long time. And mm-hmm. Glenda Ritz, she was like, uh, I think she's like Democrat. But nobody really knew who she was, but, like, she used a lot of grassroots um, support, and, and she, she used a lot of, um, uh, she used social media, well, not social, social media to get her message out there a lot. And, you know, like I said, Tony Lennon, he, he just thought that he had this thing made. Mm-hmm. And he never seen it coming, you know. Okay. So I, I think now with the age of social media, you know, there there's a lot more organization. You can get a lot of grassroots support. You can reach a lot a lot more people, and like information is more readily available when you are, when people are starting to use these. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And I'm glad you yeah. brought that one up because we were talking about that today at my job. She didn't run a very big out there campaign. She outdid her like something yeah. terrible. It, you know, they, it, I, I can I can tell you, uh, you know, the reasons I voted against Dr. Ben. You know, and uh, hey, you know, they, it was just learning his stands on ten years of teachers. You know, and uh, it, well, and know, I'm glad it, you I, brought that up because supposedly the teachers' union was a big backer of this lady that won. Mm-hmm. And the teachers' yeah. unions and seeing what, you know, this guy that had been in, been in there, seeing, you know, kind of how that record was going and things he wanted to put into place, they didn't want to have a repeat of some of these other states, and they stepped in and said, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and me being a union member myself, now, I, I don't necessarily vote because the union tells me to vote this way. Right. So, like I said, I'll sit down and I'll study voting records and what they've accomplished, things like that. But I do stand firm with my unions on certain things. And right. For example, the treatment of teachers, which is an unforgivable job, all right? Yeah. It takes a special person to be a teacher in today's day and age. Absolutely it does. I couldn't do it. I I used to just use bombs in the Marine Corps, and I couldn't be a teacher. 
And I think that's what happened with this last election, not not just the presidential election, but as far as the election to for uh hmm, my glasses. <laughs> no, yeah. elected for uh mayor. I think a lot of people sat that out. And I think that's how Greg Ballard got back in, but I'm not gonna get into that right now. <laughs> but, you know, I think when we sit elections out, that's you know, we get the the unexpected. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, they, man, and, and, you know, and you speaking of getting the unexpected during an election time, you know, you, you think, especially with the expansion of the social media, that you would think that politicians would learn to cross their T's and dot their I's, you know, mm-hmm. and, because I tell, I tell, I'll be the first to tell you. That the reason I voted against Murdoch was them stupid, stupid, stupid comments on rape that he made. No, yeah. That was unacceptable. I'm sorry, you know, and, and, and you know, you know, and I think some people sometimes people hurt themselves. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, if he and had think, made those comments, he'd have probably been elected. Absolutely, he would have. Yeah, it, it, it's like I said with me being an independent. I'm friends with people from both parties, you know. And it, the second most comment that there was on that I, I noticed as a thread was on Murdoch not getting elected, you know. And it was because of that people were saying, "Well, I didn't vote for, you know, Donnelly, but I didn't vote for Murdoch because of these comments," you know. Yeah, that that absolutely killed his his chances of getting elected. Yeah, and it just I, I to show you in the scheme of politicking. Uh, uh, Romney too is when he made those comments about forty-seven uh, percent of the country aren't responsible or whatever he said. I think yeah, you know, and then he's also made some other questionable uh, comments as well. And I just, I really think, and then with him kind of trying to politicize that whole uh, issue as far as, like, the embassy and, like, the attacks on, you know, that happened over there, I think him trying to politicize that. It's just sometimes, it's just some things that you just need to back off of, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think sometimes people, uh, they just, they go too far. They overstep their boundaries, and then, you know, uh, they're just not careful. Yeah, and that's a lot of times it, it it comes back and it haunts them later. Yeah, that that's one of the things I think should be the mark of a good politician. There has to be a wisdom of balance between yes, you need to make a forthright decision in a most timely fashion. However, you got to get your facts together first. Yeah, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna say this just uh. Yeah. It, the 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 thing is, in, in the military, we used to say, "Don't ask questions above your pay grade." Yeah, <laughs> <true>. you know. <laughs> and it, there there are there are boundaries that were across, you know. But politics is a very dirty, dirty business. It is. It uh, is. A- uh, 
Because it, it's, it's like I was saying earlier. It's no longer about where ex-politician stands. It's about what his opponent has done, you know? It, you, you'll never see a politician go out there and be like, yeah, this, we, I stand for this, 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 and this. No, because that holds accountability if he can't do it. I mean, back, uh, four years ago when President Obama ran, he stood on a platform that he's going to end the wars in the first 90 days. Yeah, he was going to shut down Guantanamo Bay in 60 days. Now, and this by no means am I bashing on the president. The president has got a more stressful job than what can any of us ever imagine. You know, I heard it put one time as, imagine the toughest decision you have ever made in your life. The president makes them decisions six, seven, ten times a day, you know. Now, back back to the topic was, you know, he, uh, you can never put a time frame on such things because sometimes it just does not go as planned, you know. And then what that does, whenever you put a time frame, then opponents can use that against you, such as some of the political ads that were used. But here's the Speaking thing. in terms and, of okay. that, just that same type of topic, I think it's by, what, 2014 that we're supposed to pull out of Afghanistan, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think we'll make it? No, everyone knows that. The end of the world's coming in December. Nice. You <laughs> well, you know, that's I'm sorry, I just a little bit of humor. On that. <laughs> uh, no, it, even if it, even if uh, we make it to that day, um, I believe that you know it, there will be some reason that there'll be an extension made. I, I kind of think ready. You know, I think. I think it's a great target date. I think yeah. it's a great target date, and I would have, I would have kind of rather seen him phrase it as that, as more of a target date, uh-huh. or saying, you know, hey, we're starting to pull some troops out of here, and we hope to be out by then, but you know, you just I'd never know in the it. fluidity of warfare how that's going to go. Yeah, I, I'd love to see it. Yeah, sure. Um, I would love, as a former veteran myself, I would love nothing more than see all my brothers at arms and sisters at arms back. The thing is, is that, you know, something's going to happen. Because here's the deal. When it comes to budgeting and getting your fiscal budget every single year, that's one big thing that the Democratic Party has failed to do. They haven't passed a single budget since President Obama first took office. Now, granted, a lot of that had to do with Republican blockades, okay? And, and, and guess what? But, really keep in mind because, you know, you, know you, you you were dealing with the party and no, they tried to, to stop everything. You know what sure. I'm saying? So you, you got to look sure. at that, too. 
And it, it, uh, of course, which is why I mentioned it. I, I'm an absolute realist on the way politics works, you know. But here's the thing: if, if you're going every year, you you spend X amount, okay? Mm-hmm. And let's say you need a 25 percent increase the following year. Well, you can't justify getting that 25 percent increase if you haven't spent your entire budget for the previous year. You know what I'm saying? Now, you know, it's a messed up situation. It should be a give and take game. Now, I think, uh, and one of the biggest things I think on the budgeting, regardless if it's Democrat or Republican or who blockades it or which party shoots it down, I think... If we have looked at traditional ways of trimming the fat off the budget. I'm kind of wondering if by now, considering that the shape of not just the United States economy, but other foreign economies like Greece, good Lord, you know, I think their budget goes day by day. You know, mm-hmm. you look at yep. so many of these, it's not just ours that's being crunched, but everybody else's. I kind of think that maybe it needs to whole completely start over from a whole new fundamental aspect. I mean, start completely over, not just, well, let's trim here and add there and do this and shuffle the numbers around, but a whole new revamp of the whole, the whole damn system. Well, you know, throughout history, we have had two great depressions. We have had a grand total of 18 depressions since the inv- this grand invention of the United States. Okay, the the economy always bounces back. The problem is is that we're spending way more than what we're bringing in. You mm-hmm. know, and that that's where you fall in the problems. People. It's not like it used to be where people saved and lived off what they had. Yeah. You know, especially since the invention of the credit card, which really, yeah, back in my day, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, it, credit has influenced everything now because you can charge, you know, loan shark rates anymore to, uh, it, you know, get a loan. It's stupid to do that. I'm guilty of it myself. You know, look at these cash advanced places. You pay six hundred percent in two weeks on a loan. You know, it's six hundred percent interest on these loans. You know, and that's your annual percentage rate. You know, but these. Uh, you know, countries that are uh, like, for example, you brought up Greece. The problem with Greece is no one is willing to give up their social entitlements. You know that they get now. The you know it, it, it's got to be a give and take game. For example, Social Security with us. Okay, uh-huh. Social Security was originally meant. Not as something to retire on, but it was originally meant as a backup fund. So, you know, older people do not have to starve in case of another Great Depression. 
It was a lockbox. That's all it was. Eventually, through more people, you know, the country growing, that lockbox got open. And we have allowed politicians from both parties uh, to go in there and take away this. At the time, too, that Social Security was enacted, I don't think that they realized at the time the impact that the baby boomer era would have on the impact. Uh, yeah, you you couldn't have foreseen that. Absolutely agree. That the but like I was saying, the uh the, the problem is is that you know, the politicians have gone in there and gutted social security to the ground by taxing something that should have never been taxed. You know, it it, it was a savings account, so they'd have something to live on to have basic necessities, you know. Um and you know that that's that you know whenever you have how many what what's our last census say three hundred and sixty million here in the United States right mm. you lost me on that one I don't know all right well to keep math simple we'll just say a hundred million okay that that are working and putting in there all right now you have one hundred million people okay. And say a politician says, you know what, we're going to go on ahead and tax half a cent. Now, that half cent don't sound like much, right? But a half a cent on that 100 uh, million people for every dollar they stick in for have a little extra money for our roads. or That's what they'll tell you, but it, it's going to go towards totally different things. Because you've got to have a majority vote to pass a bill. So, you know, the other people are going to stuff their stuff in there to give them the vote. All right, so that half cent has now turned into, I'm sorry, $1 million a year getting taken out from Social Security. $1 million a year. The average person on Social Security makes $597 a month. That's how much my mother makes. You know? Think of the amount of people that that extra million dollars in there. And again, that's not an accurate figure. That's just keeping the math simple. Okay? that that would take care of if we didn't allow politicians from both parties to take money out of Social Security to pay for something else. Instead, what they need to do is take these tax, take the tax money we're giving them and start cutting on certain aspects. By no means should they ever cut on education. There are certain givens that should never be cut. But Maybe we could cut back a little bit on foreign aid and start taking care of our own people. Maybe we could, you know, take back, oh, I don't know. Maybe uh, this new bridge could use some maintenance for now and not, you know, what's up. Maybe we don't need to spend $60 on a toilet seat for the Pentagon. I don't know of too many secretaries of defense that need a nice, cushy warming seat. You know? <laughs> because crap is all that's going to come out anyways. 
You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey guys, I Money want to, can, I'm, yeah. can I, um, jump in here real quick. I wanted to give a brief shout out to uh, Madison Media Group, uh, oh, Madison Media Radio. They're in the chat room right now, currently chatting with them, and I just wanted to give a shout out to them and thank them for listening. Also, I, I wasn't really paying attention to my hub. Uh, chat room until I've just seen a couple people in here. Uh, we had a couple other people that were in here um, doing our lost them. But yeah, there were uh, there's been several people that have joined our chat room tonight and I want to um, thank them for listening as well. I was asking uh, Madison Media Radio where they were located out of and they were located out of Chicago and I was asking them well you know how was you know how, how how was the atmosphere last night after they heard of the results in you know uh, Chicago, Chicago it, was, it was pretty lively out there people were really good spirits and stuff like that and oh it was uh, electric huh it was electric that's about the only way I could ever put it yeah so I just want to give a shout out to them and they got a website too and I'm checking it out it's a pretty good website I'm gonna have to. Um, Get on here later on and see what's happening because I really like um, what I see. But um, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to all our uh, people that were in the chat room tonight. Uh, thank you for your support. But um, yeah, it was, I just wanted to just jump in there real quick. I didn't mean to interrupt you guys. I know you guys guys are having a good conversation. But I just wanted to do that before oh, hours ran out. I t- I tell you, I tell you, bro. I'm really considering running for office in four years. Well, no, maybe a state senate. You know, start out somewhere in the state level, skip the local level, being that I'm getting up there in my years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm really considering it. You know, after seeing all the stuff that's going around out here. Yeah. There needs to be some common sense brought back into politics. Couldn't say it better than that. Uh, I think this is what we like, but you know what? Like, I think it was something that Michael said on one of our previous one of our previous shows. Is like common sense and politics is just like mixing oil and water together. It's not gonna work. It just, it's, it's just not it's unheard of in the world of politics. Common sense and politics don't. Well, see, here's the thing. You just got to wake the people up, make them aware. There was a it was a senator, a U.S. senator. I'm trying to remember where. I believe it was Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. He ran on a Republican ticket, all right, and he was definitely an underdog. I mean, they... The guy he beat, well, it might have been Pennsylvania, but the guy he beat, this is uh, not this election, but the last election. Anyways, the guy he beat was a, a 20-year incumbent. Anyways, this dude, what what he did, he was going door to door a couple of years prior before they even, before the opposing party even knew that he was coming, you know? And he was going door to door, listening to people and all this and that, and uh, got the signatures and got his name put on the ticket, and ended up winning. His campaign cost less than one million dollars, and he ended up winning. 
wiped the floor with the incumbent senator. You know, because he he took the time to go out, get personal with his incumbents. Mm-hmm. I I, be, I believe that. You know, I I mean, me personally, I believe that you know, pe- people have forgotten that the government works for them and not the other way around. You know, they it, there's this hierarchy in government between uh, Washington and the people. You know, you you call you should have accessibility to contact your state or or. Uh, federal senators and congressmen at any given time. There's a phone number. But what do you get? You get a secretary and you rarely do you speak to them. You may speak to their, you know, campaign manager or their uh you know, su- the subsecretary of whatever, you know. You ain't got yet you will rarely speak to the man or the woman him, themselves, you know. And that that just needs to get brought back. Yep. That's that's right. But you know, the side is once they and I, and I just get so sick of these people that just take their office for granted. They they already know yep. the people are gonna vote for them. So, you know, it's just like <clears throat> it's crazy and, and then they get in office, they don't do anything, they're not there doing what they're supposed to do. You know, so. Yeah. And another big thing, and I understand that this is one of the ways that different sections get different things for their constituents. Like, for example, say an Indiana senator decides that there is a museum over here that needs $200,000 to do major restorations, and but to get a bill to pass to promise his vote, they do that earmarking. Yep. And they put in all this earmarking, and, okay, you know, I'm not going to deny that some of those earmarks might have went to very worthy causes and very needed issues. It's very possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. However, look how much of it has been what they call porked. Yep. You know, pork barreling something. You know, just earmarking it and porking it up and just putting all this extra crap in there. And, hey, those are tax dollars. We could cut down on some of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely we could. You know, it, it, I, I've been saying that all of a sudden a bill that should have been maybe 10 pages long at the most is 600 pages long. Yeah, you get into writing a bill about, you know, for example – a crime, you know, you decide you're going to say, okay, we are going to make doing such and such a crime, and even a lawyer could have wrote it out and make it three sheets of paper long to make it a good tight law, and then by the time you get done with it, it's 500 pages. Yep. Really? <laughs> I, I agree. They, they, uh, and that that's where I was going at with that, that. That's how they get these bills to pass, and then people all of a sudden are wondering, well, wait a minute, you know, what the heck? But then when it comes to election time, you know, you'll, you won't hear, well, so-and-so brought, you know, brought, the, brought this or brought this to your district. No, what you'll hear is, uh, 
Well, my opponent voted against uh, having a hospital for mentally handicapped children. Well, maybe he didn't vote for that. Maybe what he voted against was a bill that was, uh, you know, one of poor uh, additions there that was to study the mating habits of a sperm whale. <laughs> you know, yeah. in Nevada, in Nevada, okay? <laughs> so that way there would be unnecessary money going in there, you know? Maybe that's what he was against, but it just happened to be attached to a bill that, you know, brought money to a uh, children's hospital. Mm-hmm. Or a learning center, you know, and that that that's why you know that's why I said you never know what they stand for anymore unless you look it up. Yeah, because what they'll do is tell you what the opponents don't stand for. Seneca, I know we're probably about out. Yeah, of we're yeah. Other seconds. Yeah, we have ninety seconds left in the show. I just want to thank thank you guys for coming in. I want to thank our guests for um, um, joining us in chat and um, our guests that. that Called in earlier. I just want to thank you guys for uh, calling in your opinion about this 2012 election. There's so many directions we can go with this. Um, we will be having another show, if God willing, on Monday. So we might continue this topic, but you know, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot that happens between now and Monday. But thanks again, everybody, for calling in. Um, I know this is a late night edition, last moment type of thing, but. Um, we we are going to get back on um, schedule with shows, so be sure to check us out um, at blogtalkradio.com slash ucofw. Get online at our YouTube channel at slash ucofw. Michael's page is sunrisehumanity.com. Make sure you check us out. Um, thanks, Jr. for calling in as always. And um, all right, brother, we'll catch you on Monday. All right, y'all, have a good one now. All right, man.